What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. My name is Mitch, and I'm one of your hosts here every single week on this program. And with me, as always, we have... I'm Boozy. We got Boozy. He is back. And uh, we are welcoming on returning guests, very special guests of the show. We (laughs) decided to ask our friend daniel epler the host of the cobwebs podcast back to discuss three crocodile films from 2007 before we do that how are you doing daniel hey guys oh i'm doing really good i really appreciate you guys having me on for this one and uh i want to make a commitment right here and now that at the end of this podcast i will not say see you later alligator i will resist (laughs) yeah you have to resist because that we that's something we got to talk about i didn't even think about that yeah crocodiles and alligators are not the same thing so we don't want to piss people off here. Uh, I know we had a friend of the show, Brent Hibbard, commented on our uh, on our Instagram post saying that he prefers alligators over crocodiles. And that's just a whole can of worms. We can't even open I, here. I want to know what his <laughs> logic is behind that, though, like what his reasoning is. We'll talk to him because we'll I have I have some quick I have gator facts late for later. I have gator, yes. later gator facts. I've been having a lot of gator conversations and see. Is it crocodile? We're such idiots. Or I am such sorry to bring you guys down. I, that, I can tell you the difference if you need. Is it crocodile? Can we call a crocodile a gator? Obviously not, because that's short for gator. No, they're just no. a croc. Okay, croc. Uh, what a croc I know, is shit. Gator kind of like rolls off the tongue better. But Jay all Luke. the films we're talking about are all croc movies. Sorry to go off on an immediate tangent, but Jay Luke sent me a text message the other day saying, look at what Pan got me for my crocs. So he sent me pictures of his Crocs, and this is former guest of the show, Jay Luke, and he has um, flair, like little, like you can get little buttons yeah, that yeah. you put on the holes. It's like a big has, thing. He has like a Jack Torrance <laughs> one, and it just obviously makes me think of office space with the, can you bring some more flair? Some more um, Zazz. Some more like, who, who the fuck, first of all, is above the age of 30 and has Crocs, and who has flair for their Crocs? Jay Luke, I guess. So I guess, yeah, it's not even that he has them. He specifically is like making them more aggressive that you have to actually look at them. He's not even yeah. silently going with them. That's a yeah, bold like, statement. Hello, ladies. My yeah, he's like, are, look at my, my crocs. crocs are down here. <laughs> my flare <laughs> is up here. Um, do you think he keeps those on during sex? They're breathable. So, you know, at least he's not going to get sweaty. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Do you think they give good traction? Probably. I don't know. I've never owned a pair of Crocs. Neither have I. I'm a grown adult. Yeah, (laughs) it's that. And I don't know. It's just an for ethical reasons. I don't like how they they make the Crocs out of Crocs. (laughs) Right. That's the that's the secret ingredient. (laughs) I'm sorry. Off to a rough start here once again, folks. Um, all right. Well, yeah. So we are going to be talking about three crocodile films as promised on previous episodes of the show. Moving forward, we're going to be doing some triple feature episodes. Uh, this is going to happen for the foreseeable future of the terror table. And what we are normally going to do is we are going to have three films in the same, same subgenre from three different, uh, decades. So for an example, uh, we have an episode coming up with our friend Lindsay Wilkins from the Schlock and Awe podcast. And I guess I can just announce this right now because it's fun. Um, but we are going to be doing a monster mash with Lindsay. 
So she got to choose first. We let we let her choose which film she wanted to to discuss. And she chose Clive Barker's Nightbreed. So that's a movie we have not discussed on the terror table before. Very anxious to hear Boozy's thoughts on Nightbreed. I <laughs> own that... Nightbreed Do somewhere. You? Yeah, have it's in it's it? in uh, it's a DVD in my basement somewhere. Okay. Because yeah, I'm very curious what you're gonna think of that one. But so that's from 1990s. So Boozy chose prophecy from 1979 which is a movie we've talked about on the show before but not in full feature we just watched format. it one time and talked about it yeah yeah me and you watched it together and just fucking loved it so that's yeah. going to be a blast and so that's from 1979 daniel have you I... seen prophecy no i haven't i was just thinking just thinking i need to add that to my list so uh, yeah it's about an environmentally evil bear yeah it's great <laughs> it is okay so it's an animal attack movie yeah yeah sort of it's a monster animal attack movie too. yeah and then I chose uh, the Ray Harryhausen's uh, "The Beast from the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms." I'm super stoked for this. Have seen that one? Yeah, I ha- I chose it because I haven't seen it, but I want to cover, want to represent some Ray Harryhausen on uh, on the the program. So yeah, that's what we're gonna do. But today we're already breaking our rules on the first episode. Uh, we are doing all three movies that came out in 2007, and the common thread is that they are all crocodile movies. So we are going to be discussing Blackwater. And then we will talk about Primeval, and then we will finish things off with Rogue. Uh, so we figured Daniel is uh, a guy that we've never, I've never had a conversation in my life with you about. I've talked about movies so many times, but I don't think we've ever talked about animal attack movies. So I was like, hey, this would be a good time to, uh, to have Daniel on to discuss some flicks that uh, you may not have seen before. And if you fucking hated all of them, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I I hadn't seen any of these movies, and um and and some people might um jerk back from that kind of request, but I thought that was really exciting because um I I do enjoy getting to a podcast outside of my wheelhouse, and I like researching by talking about watching movies I've never seen. So it was, yeah, it was fun leading up to this, and I'm excited to talk about these. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I thought you'd be a great out of left field pick for this episode just because, yeah, I guess I don't even know what would be considered. I like after thinking about it, I was like, Chris Hurtado probably would have been super game for a gator episode, or sorry, crocodile episode, because um, he tends to like that, you know, for Godzilla. lack of better words, bottom of the barrel kind of monster we, movie. We wanted to have the, we needed him to have the weekend off after his excessive partying. Yeah. Happy birthday. All, all that mug root beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Happy birthday right, so, to a fellow mug maniac. Yeah. Before we get on, just talking about what we've been seeing, because I have a couple things I want to mention. I know Boozy does as well. I'm sure Daniel has some. Uh, just Daniel, since you are from Cobwebs Podcast, we brought you on to discuss three crocodile films. So with that, I have this question to ask you. Chris Sarandon, hot or not? Oh, man. Yes. I just listened to this on your last episode. Um I, I actually thought of this funny thing. I was listening to this other podcast recently um, at this movie podcast and the Patrick Brownlee, the host of that, he was talking about how he wrote a piece about Fright Night and he made fun of Chris Sarandon's large necked sweater that he wears in the club. And he said, apparently some woman commented below and said like, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea what that sweater meant to women in the eighties. <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. Um, no, Chris Sarandon, hot, hot all the way. Yeah, definitely. Hot. So this sweater is like a sexual icon in its own way. That's absolutely. I mean, I don't know if it would be if like anyone was wearing it. I think it's the Chris Sarandon plus sweater. Outfit. Uh, right. Exactly. So it could just be like a regular old sweater for anyone else, but him know, wielding it is like Thor's know- hammer. 
we put the nail in the coffin. We figured it out. We cracked the case of Colin Farrell is definitely hot, but Colin Farrell's hot with a tank top. Um, Chris Randon, imagine Colin Farrell in a turtleneck. Not for me. Not as hot. Mm. A little yeah, bit, not, a little not bit for the penguin like, you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that was my question. I just know uh, Daniel's favorite film of all time is Fright Night. So I wanted to lead off with that. I did not realize questioning uh, somebody's sex appeal was so trivial. When it's Chris Sarandon, you're. Well, yeah, like I didn't realize that there was such a fan base for him. Yeah. Well, now, oh, now, yeah. you know, I'm Rec- not fan base. Yeah. yeah. The Rec- stands Rec- were out. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, shout out Sean Talley. That was a super fun episode. Yeah, if you awesome. haven't listened, go back. That was just last week. Uh, let's catch up on some movies. Daniel, have you checked out any horror movies recently that you want to discuss? <laughs> have you seen anything since the last time we've ever spoke to you? Uh, you know what? A few things. A few things. Um, no, I've actually been on a big horror kick lately. Um, I'm not exactly like you guys and that I don't watch horror movies, you know, the majority of the time. Um, I, I switch up genres a lot, but I have been watching a lot of horror lately. Particularly, I've been on a kick of checking out 80s horror movies that I've never seen mm-hmm. because I've just been feeling like, you know, sometimes you start to feel like you've seen everything and you feel like you've seen like all the favorites that are going to be your favorites. Um, but I was just wondering recently, like, what else is out there? And I have actually found three 80s horror movies recently that I'm like a huge fan of now, and I'm so happy to have found them. I'm um, loving I'm- this. I love this energy. Like the 80s has a gold mine of stuff. Especially does, you yeah. have to have seen, mo- like you said, seen most of it by now. So I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on Shocker. <laughs> you know, I watched Shocker like in passing a long time ago. It was one of those viewings where I sort of checked out like halfway through. I need to I need to revisit that one. Uh, no, but, but the, my favorite 80s horror movie I discovered recently is Soul Survivor from 1984. Have you guys seen this one? No, I- but that is a good uh, young Jeezy track. i'll take your word for it i Um, i'm pretty sure because i know i've seen the i don't know if it was a remake but there's a remake with or there was a movie called soul survivors with eliza dushku i've seen that and that's a very boozy movie like what is this about okay i don't know if they're even related they're not related but you know what's funny is that movie is directed by the director of a movie that i was going to talk about a little bit later so that's okay. actually pretty weird. But this one is from 1984. Uh, one reason I really wanted to see it is it's directed by Tom Eberhardt. And he made um, Night of the Comet, which is one of my mm. favorite 80s movies of all time. And this one, if you hear anybody talk about this movie, the first thing they're going to tell you is it's the precursor to Final Destination and It Follows. Right. That's where I know. Yeah, oh, okay. This those, is very intriguing. I remember it's talking kind of those about movies, that. Yeah, like put together. Because what it's about is this woman, uh, Denise, who... Uh, is the sole survivor of a plane crash. And um, she just starts to feel like she wasn't supposed to survive that. And she's being haunted very much. It follows like by these figures of just people who just stand around and stare at her. And look so is this kind of like extreme survivor guilt? Yeah, I mean, they talk about survivor guilt mm-hmm. a lot. And her boyfriend in this is a doctor and he's, you know, constantly mansplaining to her like, well, you know, this is just survival <laughs> guilt. Let me tell you all about it. Yeah. Um, it's amazing like it's incredibly creepy like i'm i'm a fan of the final destination movies um i really enjoyed your guys episode on it the franchise by the way but this is like the best final destination movie it's so creepy and eerie it has this great yeah incredible poster poster. the poster is my phone background right now yeah this (laughs) like boozy this seems like something that you just click on immediately on tubi 
I'm I'm very into it, but I typed Soul Survivor the other way, like S O U L, and it did yeah. come up with uh, Young Jeezy. So I just want to point that out that it's not <laughs> that far off. All right. Anyway, the movie is really really good. I highly recommend it. Uh, Daniel, awesome. quick question for you, since you yeah. brought up about Final Destination. Thoughts on five? Have you seen five? Yeah, I think it's really good. Um, I think it's my third favorite of the franchise. And I watched the whole franchise like within the past six months-ish. Um, right. I'd never seen them all until recently. And um, by and large, I really enjoy them. I honestly, yeah. like, I just want to talk to people about the fifth one now. Because it's like, holy shit, this thing exists. And it's pretty fucking good, honestly. Very underrated. Yeah. I love the ending so much. It's so satisfying, yeah. especially when you binge through the whole franchise. Yeah, really yeah. yeah absolutely. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, that was Soul Survivor from 1984. So, yeah, that is S-O-L-E Survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, Boozy, do you want to knock one off and we'll make our way back to Canada? Yeah, I have I have two. Um, so I'll just talk about the first one here. This one's kind of the one that isn't as interesting. I want to save the best stuff for last. So I checked out. This is on Tubi. Uh, this is called The Suckling from 1990. Oh, yes. You know about this? Yes, of course. Uh, it's a, I'm pretty sure this was one of the first movies I watched when I got Tubi so it's an aborted mutant fetus suckling also the autobiography of kyle zervinsky (laughs) sorry continue (laughs) uh so the tagline for this is he'll always want to be mommy's little mutant Uh, a woman goes to a back alley abortion clinic only to have her aborted fetus attack her her boyfriend and everyone else at the clinic uh yeah it's a, a sewer baby monster that attacks people it's it's pretty fun um Obviously, I can't give it a high rating. They did have some interesting practical effects, and it's clearly somebody who really liked Alien and was like, what if it's an abortion clinic and just really sleazy? <laughs> yeah, like so- that's it's about as sleazy as it gets. Also, I, I like that they had to define it as a backdoor abortion clinic. It's not even yeah. like one of those fancy uptown ones. I don't know if this is just glaring whenever I do this to you guys, but remember that font? Like I'm showing the the Ooh. post, one of the posters. Um, it looks like the that's you the you wouldn't download a, thi- yeah, a you movie would, font. You wouldn't whatever. download a fettuccine Alfredo. Yeah, that font. And yeah, the tagline: "It'll suck your brains out." But it looks like this looks like a nightmare version of uh, who's the pink one in SpongeBob? The uh, Patrick. Fucking yeah, Patrick, Patrick Star. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend you there. <laughs> How do you not know your SpongeBob's? That's essential viewings. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So that was the suckling. Lucy, um, I uh, letterbox docked you, and I see you gave it one and a half stars. Yeah. <laughs> and one. Did you say letterbox th- doxing me? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> boozy. That's the thing too. Is there's times where Boozy will talk about a movie that he like really liked, and it'll be like two and a half stars. And it's like everyone has such a weird, r- different rating system. Mine uh, my, doesn't uh, make sense in context to other things I rate. So, yeah. like, I admit that. My friend he's, Nathan Jones, who's a, a YouTuber who you guys might know, he's like that. And Chris and I tease him about it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to Nathan Jones this Thursday, actually, going on his channel. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, cool. Yeah, I have two to mention as well. And I'll start with one that isn't horror, but I'm going to mention it anyways, because it needs more love. I want to get the word out about it because... The movie I want to talk about is Dinner in America, which was the winner of the 2020 Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. Boozy, I can't remember. Or no, I don't think you saw this one. No, I didn't. No, unfortunately. Yeah. So this one, it was written and directed by Adam Raymeyer, and it stars Kyle Gallner, who's from The Hunting in Connecticut, Jennifer's Body. He's in the new Scream. 
Um, he's also in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Like he's that guy who just always looked like he he was the token emo kid. He mm. was always sad. Uh, but yeah, he he's in this, and also Emily Skeggs, who is tremendous in this film. But she looks like, uh, judging by her IMDb, she's only played like smaller bit roles. But yeah, this one it won the festival, and I remember it having just such a huge impact on me when I saw it. And it's just an off kilter punk rock romantic comedy, and it's easily one of my favorite movies of the last decade. Like it's it's just this thing is just better than Joker let's not go there that's, we can't compare that that's that's setting dinner in america up for failure come on i'm sorry dinner um, america but no yeah this one it's a super it's super mean-spirited but the thing is that's what makes the eventual heart feel so great and just really cut through the the nihilism of the the whole film and it's just it's just a super enjoyable fun punk rock comedy and uh, I highly, highly recommend it. The reason I'm mentioning it, too, is because you can't get it anywhere. Like, it's not streaming anywhere. Uh, the only place you can get it is in the U.S. Uh, Arrow Video put a copy of it out. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I went and did a uh, I, I bought the import, whatever, and had our friends Jenna or Jason and Lauren over to watch it because I knew that they would love it. And it's something along the lines of like a really twisted uh, Taika Waititi type napoleon dynamite type quirky comedy if you know what i'm saying but it's not fantastic it's Mm -hmm. great it's it's just fucking awesome i love it so much so this one the saskatoon film festival and you you didn't see it there no i saw it there that's where i saw it but i've been wanting i've been dying to see it again and it just hasn't had a release anywhere and i think because that was like in the heart of covid so this thing, like in uh, on the special features, it's kind of crazy. This is the first time that I experienced this, where I go to the special features because I just want to see all the like if they have any making ofs or interviews or anything like that. That's my bread and butter. Uh, but it's all Zoom calls because they did it all. Oh right. yeah. yeah. So we're we're in that era now uh, where we're gonna start seeing more and more of that. But either way, it's just the movie's got tons of style. It's super funny and it's just charming as hell. But I will say, like you be warned and i know that like our festival director he even warned people before the screening being like this is a movie that like isn't going to be for everyone because some of the characters are so fucking mean and gross and repulsive but that is totally it comes full circle uh, if you stick with the movie it's it's so rewarding so i i love it i wanted to mention it here again and yeah it was awesome so that's dinner in america from 2020 uh daniel you want to give us another one Sure. You, you know, based on your, your introduction of that movie, I thought you're going to talk about everything everywhere all at once. No, and I still haven't seen it. I okay. can't wait to. I've heard it's amazing. I won't talk about it much because it's not a horror movie, but yeah, it's it's really fun. I got a chance to yeah. see it in theaters this past weekend. But um, but anyway, uh, the next 80s horror movie I discovered that I'm a really big fan of now is an Anthony Hickox movie. Um, he directed Waxwork and Hellraiser 3, uh, and it's called Sundown, the Vampire in Retreat from 1989 Ooh, i so love this, the name of this it's a great title yeah uh vestron put it out and they're like blu-ray run and i'm kind of a i'm almost a completionist with vestron um but uh, it had been sitting on my shelf for a little bit until recently i finally popped it in and it is such a fun movie it is such a wild mix of genres and tones because it's kind of a Western, although it doesn't take place in old West times, but it takes place in this like small town in the West. And, and um, 
and basically it's a town full of vampires and the vampires are trying to keep to themselves and not hurt anybody and they have a blood factory where they make artificial blood and they live off of that um but it has an insane like 80s b-movie cast so it stars yeah. David Carradine as the the head vampire kind of the Dracula stand-in but it also has Bruce Campbell who I went into the movie expecting him to be like a cameo and he's not he's the Van Helsing character and he's in it a lot Amazing. um Deborah Foreman is in it who you might be a fan of from like April Fool's Day or Valley Girl uh M.M. at Walsh is in it it's got like this incredible cast of kind of like great b-movie character actors and um it's kind of a comedy, but it's also kind of a gross, gory horror movie. And it's a ridiculous amount of fun. It's like overstuffed with characters and side plots, but that just keeps it super entertaining all the way through. So, you know, it's not a movie that I'm ever going to hold up as some kind of masterpiece, but my God, it is so entertaining. So um, if you get a chance to like stream it or, or get the best on Blu-ray or, or anything, I think it's a really, really good time. What's I'm the gonna... uh, vampire lore situation with this? I love the idea of a blood factory. So it's, it's fairly traditional in terms of the rules, but like they can't, they can go out into the sun, but they put on a ton of sunscreen and hats and sunglasses and stuff. So everybody just walks around with like hats and like, all. they don't look suspicious at all. Yeah. They do turn into bats. And sometimes you see like them, like halfway between bat and human. And that's like monster effects. Love it. And it's got, it's got Bobby Briggs from Twin Peaks. He's in it as well. Uh, Dana Ashbrook. Yeah, I'm I'm tossing this one to the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have a good awesome. time. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, love that. Made my uh, letterbox already now. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, awesome, boozy. You want to talk about your other one? Yeah. So the other one I have, and excuse me if I get this wrong because it's been a little bit. I believe you've talked about this movie a lot, and I think it made your list, Mitch. Not entirely, but I watched uh, the Vigil. Oh yeah, yeah, that was on my top ten. Um. Yeah, so I really like the non-traditional stylings of this being that the the lore is based on Jewish culture as yeah. opposed to traditionally, like most of the time we get Christian stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's just a very twisted little haunted house movie with uh, like a Hebrew, um, the, the Hebrew lore is just so, so fascinating in it because this is something like I looked it up afterwards after watching it that that's, actually something that people do is yeah it's like actual deep lore they watch over a body after it passes overnight they have someone like take like just stand watch to make sure no outside forces or anything gets in or out and uh the movie plays out in just like a really tight little haunted house i was gonna say they they did a lot with not really having a lot in terms of a location it is all in a house yeah yeah just and you don't even get to see a lot of the the second part of the house no. I also will say that we we do enjoy a good movie about uh, a body uh, being at a morgue or on a stretcher, it's, you know, I, coffin. Yeah, I, I pointed out to you, yeah, it's very much like it would be a great double feature with Autopsy of Jane Doe. Yeah, or even that it kind of reminded me of that one segment in uh, VHS, VHS as well. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, um, no, it's it's solid. Yeah, I keep meaning to watch this because like it, I feel like it keeps tricking me into thinking it's like one of the super generic conjuring ripoff type movie like it looks yeah. like the devil inside or something totally. like that yeah and it's not um, yeah but yeah i've heard it's great I, I gotta check it out would you describe like 
like is the horror more like quiet and slow or does it get kind of crazy towards the end like what what's the i, I feel like it, it actually it starts off yeah very like on a smaller scale and and you do spend a lot of time it's the the waiting for the ticking bomb kind of thing you're always waiting for something to happen with the body and it's a lot of the subtle stuff that happens around there and then uh, towards the end they have a couple segments where it gets really uh it's almost like dimensional uh, in a in, like it's like sinister on a very very small scale if that makes sense yeah it's okay. chilling and haunting yeah it's very chilling it'd be good uh pretty sure i said it. it was like this is something that it's like that's the kind of shit i'm on the lookout for during october mm-hmm. where i want actually creepy creepy films yeah. I, I just think the idea of uh, having to watch over a dead body in any circumstance is just terrifying mm-hmm. unless it's the dead body of your enemy but what if wouldn't your enemy be like the worst person to watch out for? Because it's like, no, man, no way he's dead. Man, what well, if my could, enemy comes you could back? You just leave. You don't have to watch over it because he's dead. True. Unless it's Michael Myers, then he's going to get back up no matter what. Yeah. No yeah. Doubt. If I've learned anything from horror movies, I never turn my back on dead bodies until they're like squished. And because like, even if they're buried, they're going to come back. Right. And Keith Thomas, the director of this one, his upcoming film is Firestarter. The oh, I'm Stephen excited King. for that because it's Zac Ooh. Efron, and I'm always rooting for that boy. Yeah, yeah, me too. And Red Foreman. Uh, yeah, I hope it's good. Wait, Red Foreman's in that? Yeah, dog. Oh man, I'm glad he's getting work. Good for him. I hope yeah. he looks identical and hasn't aged at all since RoboCop. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so that's the vigil. Is that tap you out for the week? Yeah, that's movie? all I got. Cool. Uh okay yeah i'll close mine off so one another one that's like you know debatably horror or not but i want to mention it is uh i rewatched the seventh seal ingmar bergman's the seventh seal i did this uh, i think it was no it was sunday night. it was a couple nights ago uh, but yeah ingmar bergman legendary director behind films like persona the virgin spring and one that i really really want to see it's still on my list called winter light which was recommended by a friend of the show uh composer of the druid's hand scott hamilton I've heard it's just awesome, but uh, yeah, this one's starring Max von Sydow, and he's it's set around him playing a game of chess with death itself during the Black Plague. So this movie came out in 1957. Uh, it's a, you know this is one of those ones that they teach it in film schools, so it's like it's generally well known among those types of communities, but it's also I think a blind spot for a lot of people. And uh, that's one of the reasons I want to mention it here is that like, this is it's in my opinion, it's, it's poetry. This is the blueprint on literal, literal morality tales. And it's obviously one of the biggest inspirations for films like David Lowry's the green Knight from, from last year that I loved. Uh, I see a lot of, obviously there's so many similarities between the seventh seal and the green Knight, but this is just one of those movies that it, it really did. I think it's essential for anyone who's interested in like dissecting cinematic narratives or story beats or languages. Like it might bore some people to tears, but it's also one of the movies that it it was a trendsetter in a lot of ways for the, I see so many similarities, so many threads between this film, like on upon rewatch after like paying close attention to it and so many of my favorite filmmakers and different like story elements that are incorporated throughout it. And it's just, it's a timeless tale. Like this is, I could be wrong. And if there's someone to prove me wrong, it's Daniel that this, like, I think that this is one of the first films that is just watching a character 
play out like we watch other stories kind of intertwine while they're having a conversation i could be entirely out to watch here i mean you could almost say citizen kane is that yeah i guess so hey yeah okay so uh yeah that's another big one too uh but yeah no this yeah, movie know, is it's kind of big yep yeah uh this one i don't know it's just it's the sense of nihilism it's it's grim nature it's something that i'm really attracted to and uh i really really loved watching it again and uh, it's making me want to go through a ingmar bergman kick but i don't know if i can be any more depressed so <laughs> that's well, uh, if you if you want to watch ingmar bergman and don't want to be depressed you should check out smiles of a summer night it's his like light romantic comedy and it's incredibly fun and funny like it really shows that he could do anything awesome yeah no i, I there's there's so many blind spots for me in bergman's filmography so i want to oh yeah me too that. like i kind of went through a brief bergman kick where i watched like maybe five in close proximity yeah. um but yeah I, I i don't have that giant criterion brick that yeah that's whole brick. works or anything yeah yeah no i i love it um highly recommend it it's on the hollywood suite if you have amazon prime that's what i i subscribe to the hollywood suite because it has all the classic films that's why i've been watching a lot of like old classic noirs and romantic comedy stuff like that uh it's been a blast so that is the seventh seal a movie you might not have heard of before all right so uh daniel do you want to close this off before we get on to our main feature topics yes uh yeah so this is another once again 80s horror movie i've been a big fan of that I recently discovered and was a very big fan of I'm trying to pull it up here. So I get all the details, right? Okay. So this is a weird one because it is uh, related to a couple of things that we just talked about in that it was directed by Stephen Carpenter and Jeffrey Obrow. But Stephen Carpenter is a guy who directed the soul survivors with Alicia Dushku. You just mentioned. Oh, wow. And it's kind of similar in plot to the suckling <laughs> that Susie <laughs> talked about. So it's Damn. called The Kindred from 1987. Oh, yeah, baby. I've seen yes. this. Yep. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So this movie is about uh, a man who is a doctor and he discovers on his mother's deathbed that uh, he has a brother. So he goes to his mother's house to like close out her things because she just passed away and also try to figure out who this brother of his is. And his brother is named Anthony and is essentially a lab experiment that was created from his own DNA. Test um, two, baby. Test two, that's baby. That's right. Stupid. So like, it, you know, it's kind of like in the small little subgenre with like basket case yeah. and mm -hmm. malignant and maybe yes. the suckling as well. Um, it, this is a really, really fun movie. So um, I actually think the characters are not half bad here. Uh, you got like a whole collection of people that are all staying at this house. They're all weirdly good looking, almost like they're a CW cast, but not quite. Yeah. It's a little bit weird for the 1980s, but um, it's actually pretty well made. It looks great. The special effects are out of this world. Like if you just want to watch 80s practical monster effects, man, this movie is going to throw them at you constantly. And, uh, and I just thought it was a blast. It's got so many gross, gooey monster stuff, like stuff going up people's noses and going around their head. It's... It's yes. a wild one. I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Boozy, have you seen this movie? It's on no. my list and I've been waiting. Yeah. It's wild that you put, because I like I was toying with watching it yesterday. But... Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, it has such an epic poster, which I remember because I'm pretty sure it's based off a book. And I remember seeing the book Is it really? in the library. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like a, it's a baby bottle with like a little, like it looks like the like Brundle fly 
inside mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the tagline is the best part is Anthony didn't ask to be brought into this world. True. I, I can <laughs> really relate to that. For those of you who don't level. For those of you who don't know, Boozy's real name is Anthony. It's Anthony Boozy. <laughs> That's right. It's true. A lot of people don't know your real first name. You're I really kind of liked it. I just movie. yeah, I feel I kind of enjoy just being like the prince of this uh podcast i also yeah. will mention uh i because i did recently talk about it daniel since you're on an 80s kick please watch scarecrows from 1988 you know what's funny is i actually bought it on digital like not long ago and i haven't watched it yet oh man so worth it i gotta get around to it for sure man yeah, i'm feeling maybe it's gonna be an 80s horror weekend i haven't had one of those in a while it's a good time. It's a good time. Hey, though, before before we move on, is it okay if I ask you guys a question? Of yes. Course. I've been wondering about this because this podcast. Yeah, no, <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've heard about that. You know. <laughs> um, no, but this podcast is They're the divorced. reason. <laughs> Sorry. Ditto. <laughs> okay, crossing. What happened to Mitch's parents off my yeah. list? Okay, next question down. Um, no, this podcast is the reason that I discovered this group, and you guys haven't talked about it. So I was wondering what you guys thought of the new Ghost album, Impera. Oh, I love it. I love Impera. Uh, Boozy's not much of a Ghost fan, though. Hey, no, uh, I, I'm trying to think. Like the last song I really liked by them was Square Hammer. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. That was a while ago. That was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I, you know what? I totally understand where they went. And I did try and check out some of the singles from their newest stuff. But yeah, it's, it's not for me. Even yeah. the Halloween Kills song? Yeah. The That's song it. Hunter's Moon. It's a Hunter's Moon. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. No, I love that album. And it's, it's like every other Ghost album. It grows on me every time I listen to it. I was actually having a conversation about this yesterday with, uh, my ex-girlfriend who's on the show uh morgan because she's a huge ghost fan as well and she was saying that she's like yeah this is probably my favorite ghost album i'm like that's crazy talk but that's just how it works man you just like different ghost songs get in your head and you just kind of get obsessive with it what's your favorite ghost album then uh that it changes all the time but like i really loved prequel um and yeah no but infestissimum was my favorite for a while but i don't know it's tough it changes every day changes every day and para could very much end up being what do you think of it i really like it um prequel is my favorite ghost album and it might have something to do with the fact that that was their new album when i discovered them yeah but i i really like this new album i think my only thing with it is i think it's less spooky and halloweeny than like prequel is um, it's a, it feels a little bit more like a tribute to like 80s hair metal in general a, yeah. and a little bit less hoary. Yeah. But it's fun as hell. I listen to it a lot. It's one of my yeah. main things that I listen to these days. Um, so I yeah, I think our so like spillways is such yeah, a so bop. Like it's so catchy and fun. So yeah, but, I really like it a lot. And see, that's the thing though, is like that's the genius of Ghost, and they're knowingly doing that. Like they're getting progressively like they're people are saying that they're selling out. It's like that's the joke. Like that's what they've been going for, is that like they have these <laughs> like they get progressively poppier and poppier each album, and the the whole act gets crazier and crazier. And it's like they're reaching like it, it's such a piece of performance art in and of itself, as like their whole band that they're like making really they're the fact that Square Hammer 
is on the radio is hilarious like they <laughs> like because like they're writing these songs all their songs are still satanic and about like the like the dark arts and everything and it's it's amazing but that's they're doing exactly what pe- like people who hate ghosts are missing like hating them because they say that they're starting to be poppy and everything it's like that is the point of what they're going I would for argue they've two. always been poppy because even yeah. like ritual from their first album it practically yeah. sounds like a beatles song like oh, other yeah. than the our father who art in hell little yep. bridge <laughs> but it's like so it's so breezy and fun like skipping through a meadow about a satanic ritual or something yeah no it's, it's so amazing fun. I will say my favorite ghost song is uh, fairly recent, and that's from their Seven Inches of Satanic Panic, uh, Mariana Cross. That's I love it's that song so, so much. Good. Yeah, I love that little two two song EP there. It's yeah, great. it's awesome. But yeah, no, I'm well, I'm happy to hear. I yeah, I didn't even think of that that I haven't even mentioned the new Ghost album, and usually I talk about that on whenever they release a new album on the show. So yeah, great album. Love Can it. I just uh, say in the vein of masked men and music, uh, I'm going to see Slipknot this week. So I, I can't wait for them to play uh, hits like Last Resort. Um, Don't. <laughs> I fucking love Slipknot. Are you actually going to Slipknot though? Yeah. Yeah, it was support. Fuck. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm pretty stoked for it. It'll, it'll I be love cool. Slipknot. Yeah, I like debatably top three favorite bands <laughs> i don't I, I think i think it's super fun is that they're one of those not to make this like a, a music podcast all of a sudden but they're one of those bands that like even fringe people who are interested in them are gonna go see because it's like dude you have to go see them i i don't want to go yeah. see them when they're like 70 like i want to see them now that's that's the problem though is like that and i know like their uh their current drummer is amazing too even though he's kind of a dink but uh joey jordison being out whatever okay yeah i we can't even get onto this, but I Slipknot's my like bucket list band, and I should be seeing them. But it's uh, ex- it's expensive to live out in Vancouver. <laughs> Everything oh, and it's is expensive so to fucking see Slipknot. Yeah, yeah, that's a big stadium show. Cool. Well, I hope you have fun. That's okay. going to be awesome. Hopefully, hopefully Corey Taylor goes on a rant about Justin Bieber and things he shouldn't care about. But uh, yeah, do you want to get on to? Uh, our main feature. So we have reached our main feature presentation where we're going to be talking about three crocodile films, starting with Blackwater from 2007. Holidays. Sure, it's been in the office. You want to do some fishing? I can take you out. The best time to fish. With all the extra water around, it's pretty lively on the river. Is that why you bought a gun? What was that? so uh this is a movie that like many other horror movies of this elk claim uh is based on a true story and i actually looked it up the true story is pretty it is pretty uh close to what happens in the film 
uh, I will say there's going to be spoilers here. We're going to talk about these movies openly. Um, they are crocodile movies, and I don't want to, I'm not meaning to uh, write them off as like lesser art or something like that. But what I'm meaning by that is that like these are meant to be fun or intense or scary, and you will be able to still enjoy them if you haven't seen them and hear us talk about them at length. But Blackwater is a terrifying tale of survival in the mangrove swamps of northern Australia. So it's set around three people who uh, their their boat tips or, and they end up in a tree in man, the mangrove swamp and they are circled by a crocodile. This movie, uh, you guys, let's let's hear. Oh, yeah. sorry. It was written and directed by Andrew Trouke and it was co-written and directed by David Nerlich. Uh, but this movie went on to there's a sequel from a couple of years ago called Blackwater Abyss. Uh, that was, oh, wow, 2020. That seemed like it was so much longer ago, but I guess the last couple of years don't count. I'm going to rewatch that one because I remember liking it. Yeah. And he also, Andrew Trokey was the writer director behind uh, the divisive shark film, The Reef, which mm-hmm. I consider one of the better shark films. Uh, it is like this, this, like the reef and Blackwater are two very, they're very similar in a lot of ways. And I mean that in the most complimentary way, like they're very more so realistic takes uh, on and more contained, smaller, secluded survival tales. And uh, it's something that I really enjoy about them. They're not about seeing the creature. They're not about the the wild kills. They're more so about the survival elements of the the horror and this is obviously we've talked about it ad nauseum something boozy and i really love we always uh, whenever we get dumped we talk about monster movie or like nature run amok films so this is and like by dumped we mean diego and kyle yeah uh, so i think now it's because we, <laughs> we want to like envision them being torn apart by all these different animals for leaving us or we're not we, scorned in any way or it's like we feel like we're left in the bush yeah. in the middle of the mangrove swamp to fight for our lives because they've abandoned us. Boozy, uh, do you want to share your quick thoughts on Blackwater? Yeah, I I kind of want to talk about Blackwater itself and then within the context of all the other movies we've watched, because I feel like we have to talk about the fact that these all came out the exact same year. Yeah. So uh, so one, on the other side of that, I'd like to say that 2007, a fairly goaded year. That's pretty sweet. Also, didn't Croc come out this year as well? The one that we said we were going to do and then we didn't? Yeah, yeah. See, I I thought I got it mixed. So yeah, there's four crocodile movies that came out in 2007, mm-hmm. and I just I'm there not must about. Must have been something in the water that around that. Yeah. What what came out right before that would inspire all that? I'm trying to think like, because it can't be Lake Placid. No, and yeah, like, I guess let, let's 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 wheel it back here a little bit, Daniel. Thoughts on crocodile films in general? Like, let, let's get there a feel of that's. Let's get a feel of where you're at in terms of these nature run amok films, specifically crocodiles, sharks, you name it. Maybe okay. some bears. Um, I like them overall. Like my my second favorite movie of all time is Jaws. Um, so you know that's the granddaddy of the genre for me, but it's also the granddaddy of the genre for pretty much everybody. Um, and I tend to like Jaws ripoffs, so like Grizzly or stuff like that. A lot of movies that came out right yeah. around that time. Um, and I, I I do like shark movies in general. Actually, you two are partially responsible for like resparking my love for shark movies because I love that you did this episode a few years ago on 
bait and shark night that was our breakup episode yeah ironically enough for some reason when you announced that i decided to play along so i watched both of those before your episode came out at least someone um, did i loved bait and shark night was fine but uh (laughs) but bait is really really fun um and yeah when it comes to gator movies like you know i'm gonna talk about gator and croc movies interchangeably because i don't want to worry about the difference i don't think any of them are listening so i don't think they'll be too offended um i hope not i love (laughs) crawl crawl was like a revelation for me when i Uh saw it in theaters um and i sadly not rewatched it i need to but um but yeah i absolutely went nuts for it in theaters it's it's like the jaws of croc movies to me um but i also lake placid is a lot of fun um i also within the past year or so watched alligator from 1980 with robert Mm. which i didn't love and i feel like i need to rewatch it now that it's on hd because it was kind of a crappy version yeah right yeah and you gotta just imagine being a child and seeing that and imagining a crocodile in your pool there's a crocodile in the pool yeah there's some big wild crocodile attacks in that movie for sure and there's you know a sexy robert forrester so there's definitely things to recommend about alligator um but yeah this researching for this podcast was like my deepest dive into the gator croc genre ever and um it was for the most part a good time and i really realized more than ever crocodiles are absolutely terrifying like it's crazy how terrifying that they are and that they actually exist and they're they're just dinosaurs that are 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 around us now yeah and i had to google like is this size for salt salt water salt water crocodiles accurate and it seems to be they can grow like 20 25 feet yeah they're big boys big flat fucks i mean not even not only did you find not only did you find movies that you enjoyed you also found information You, you you got informative about this so with that out of the way, the age-old question, would you rather fight a crocodile or a bear? You know, I had an um, hour and a half debate about this last night. I, I hear you because I'm a listener of the podcast, as you can tell. Um, I, I hear you ask guests this, and I feel like, not to call anybody out, but I feel like a lot of guests answer this incorrectly because they tend to take it by which animal is most likely or least likely to attack you. And I feel mm-hmm. like the question is you're getting attacked no matter what. Yep. That's, yeah, that's so exactly like, yeah. what are you going to do? So I, so I think about this, I think I'm going to pick the crocodile for two reasons. One, I feel like I'm more interested in seeing a crocodile out in the wild than a bear. I think it would be cooler to see one. So at least I get to see something cool right before I die. Before you die. Yeah. Cause I think I'm Fair. dying. I'm dying either way. Yeah. Um, but it also, I think I would rather get chomped by a crocodile than get torn to shreds by a bear. Yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough call. I, I think, yeah, it's like the the bite ratio is what you're going for. Yeah, like, like I think there's a good mouth, chance crocodiles yeah. gonna kill me in one. Think about the jump. death roll though. It. Imagine being <laughs> imagine that thing chomping its jaws down on you and doing the death roll, like the what crocodiles do, where they just fucking and spin imagine around. they're inside your right hand drive Mitsubishi in the back seat <laughs> and it's gonna <laughs> spin and for some reason that's okay. Yeah, no, it's they're terrifying. They're they're terrifying beasts. I, they both suck. Like I, I yeah, obviously, there's no correct answer here because you're gonna die either way. But I don't know. Yeah, boozy. I think you're you're also you'd rather fight a crocodile. I think so. Yeah, I think he's right. Uh, now that you're putting that into perspective, the the bite to circumference ratio of like like what's gonna kill me faster? I agree with that. 
And I will say I've, I have never seen, I love crocodile movies, spoiler alert, obviously. Um, but I have never seen a crocodile attack more vicious than the bear attack in backcountry. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the Revenant too. Yeah. Yeah. That one's pretty savage too. They just, okay. Yeah. So either way, they're all monsters. They're terrifying. Would uh, you guys like some quick gator facts before we get going? Yeah. Hit us with the gator facts. <laughs> well, okay. First off, do you guys even know what the difference between a gator and a crocodile is? I do. Oh, I know when the uh, round nose. When a crocodile has its mouth closed, you can still see its teeth, and an alligator, you can't see its teeth. That is, yeah, both you guys are partially right. Yes, it is it's because also of the shape of their their nose. One's a U shape, yeah. and a crocodile is a V shaped. So yes, mm-hmm. you're both correct, and it's got the the pointy things to it. Uh, also, crocodiles are usually bigger and more aggressive than gators. Mm-hmm. So naturally, they make for the superior film villain. That makes sense because you hear like people in like Louisiana or something talk about how an alligator got into their kitchen, and yeah. uh, that with with a crocodile, you think that would be much worse. So, do you think that that kind of makes it seem like gators are more mischievous than than villainous? <laughs> like it's like oh darn, like a raccoon. Well, if you think about, well, that's what like so crawl is a gator movie. I thought and, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then crocodile movies is like stuff like uh Lake Placid, Dark Age, Blood Surf, which was a movie Boozy talked about. I was looking for that the other night. I actually wanted to watch Blood Surf. Amazing poster. That's a good title. Yeah. yeah, it's a wicked poster. And big, big shout out to a movie that does not get the respect it deserves, the pool. The pool fucking oh, I heard about rules. That. I should go back and finish it, honestly. You, I should. So many people, everyone I talk to hates it. Uh, except for like john allison he's my my pool homie but that movie is fucking ridiculous and so much fun and it's the only movie that kills a dog where i'm kind of okay with it because is it still on shutter probably yeah i think it's on shutter but daniel if you're writing that down i'm so sorry because like there this is a movie that i've had a lot of people be like why the fuck did you tell me to watch that no i um i I actually i was thinking about watching it anyway because i was researching this genre and a lot of people i follow on letterboxd gave that movie very high ratings however our boy matt bledsoe gave it one star i believe it (laughs) it's it's a divisive movie i understand but the (laughs) <laughs> there is some moments in that that i was actually i was jumping on the couch being like what the fuck am i watching and uh yeah i loved it um but yeah they i don't know man it's it's tough to choose like a best well that's going to be a spoiler we'll talk about best crocodile movies after after we're done this because i feel like at least at least one of these would crack that list um but all right yeah so we we got do you have any more gator facts you want to talk about boozy I just only grabbed a couple, so I'm gator fact outed already. Can All I right. ask, have either of you ever seen a gator or a croc in real yes. life? Yeah. Nice. When I went to Florida. Uh, yeah. I gonna, okay. Yeah. I've seen some in Florida too. And like, I've seen ones in Florida that were just fucking massive and they were, yeah, it's, it's, they're terrifying. Um, but what you don't see, what I haven't seen in person is how fast they can be. And that's something that we see a lot of in uh, specifically, well, I guess primeval at things ripping around like crazy. <laughs> but but uh, like maybe not couple... the best like example. It of... has no weight. It's almost floating around. <laughs> it's like that thing. Oh, man. Yeah, it is wild. But uh, no, yeah, I have. And they're terrifying. But I've never seen them actually like move really, really fast, which is obviously something they're capable of doing. What about I, you? I would be thankful for that. No, I have not. I was trying to think if I'd at least seen one at a zoo. And I don't I don't think I have. 
So that's that's to add on the bucket list right there. Yeah. They are beautiful creatures though. Like I I love I just love looking at them. That's why you have a handbag made of one. Yes. And what? (laughs) You love it so much. Yeah. Oh, alligator handbag. Okay. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. Don't forget the shoes. The Crocs. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. Let's talk about Blackwater here. So uh, I'll just lead us off here and say that this film came out the year it was during the time while I was working at Rogers Video in Saskatoon. Uh, I was a high school student and I would watch every single animal attacks film or corny B movie that came onto the shelf. I would watch it because we were allowed to like take them to the back uh, on our breaks. And we there are some times where you could just watch you watch 30 minutes of a movie and then go back on your next break and you keep watching it. That's just what people did. But I remember being like Blackwater and they, this was the, I don't know if you guys have seen, cause there's a couple posters for this. One of them is I think actually really solid. Um, that's the one that I used on our, our post. I think that that poster's fine, but there's one poster that's really egregious. And it's like, that was the DVD box art. And I remember seeing this and being like, what the fuck is this? Like, I thought I was like, this looks awful. I'm going to watch it right now. You're like, that's it. I'm going to watch Ice Spiders instead. Ice Spiders was one of the movies (laughs) that I watched around this time. Yes. Um, But Blackwater, man, this one caught me so off guard because I was like, so I was 17 years old when I was watching it and it hooked me right in. And I remember like renting it out after my shift. Like I didn't even watch it over my breaks. I just took it home after my shift that night and I watched it and I loved it. And I still really do appreciate this film for what it is it's one of those ones much like the reef too where um which yeah i guess he's making a sequel for the reef actually that's happening right now um but it's there these are the types of movies that they don't necessarily reward repeat viewings because they're very like in times they're slower more more in line with like the drama behind the characters and how they're going to escape like kind of like oh you don't go and reach for open water all the time the that shark movie like it's very effective the first time you see it but this is one that uh it obviously it's a slow but tense build it goes for this steven spielberg less is more approach where they really decide what to show you and what not to show you and i think that those are all like the the core strengths of the film and uh but i think you need to be a fan of these types of survival movies and i totally get why some people wouldn't be because uh, this is very, very different than Rogue or Primeval, both other movies that came out the same year. Uh, but I just like, if there's one real negative I have to say about this, I, I genuinely feel bad for the crocodile at the end. <laughs> like, I, I hate seeing them get put to sleep. Like, uh, there's that meme where you're dropping the rose on the dead carcass. Sorry, what's that, Boozy? I was going to say, uh, we did mention Crawl real quick here. Crawl fucking stole their ending from this movie. I don't know if they stole anything. They did the it's... exact same gun thing, which apparently yeah. is the only way you kill a crocodile. Yeah. That a good one, cool. though. Yeah, it's a good way. But yeah, no, I don't know. I uh, I really like this movie. I just, uh, it's it's grating at times because it is just, you know, you're watching characters. It's low budget filmmaking. And uh, they, I think he did, a, I think they did a really good job with it. But like I said, can totally understand, especially going back to it. I can understand why this would not be everyone's bag. So this is one that I think is, it's just, it's effective. So that's, mm-hmm. that's me, Daniel, what's your thoughts on Blackwater? I liked Blackwater. Um, I, you know, I thought the setup was interesting in that um, 
at the beginning they're at some kind of wildlife exhibit and crocodiles are a tourist attraction essentially and i thought that was some interesting foreshadowing on how all that's going to turn against them Uh, the movie does some really really quick shortcutting to care about these characters and that one of them is pregnant so that right away tells us oh okay we really do not want these people to die because she's pregnant and we want the dad to be around and blah 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 Um, And then I had watched this movie after Rogue, so not to jump ahead too much, but it was funny how it starts out like a much smaller version of Rogue in that Mm -hmm. we're on a vacation, let's hire this guy to take us down this Australian river. I I feel like it's kind of weird to like go on a fishing trip with just some stranger just because you need him to like row you out there. I don't know that I I probably wouldn't do that personally, but it's horror movie logic. I guess. I don't know if people want to do that. Like, let's hire this rando to... I mean, if if the other alternative, like, I mean, I would definitely be interested going somewhere to see a bunch of random crocs. So (laughs) I I feel like I would rather hire somebody who maybe knows what they're doing versus just like me going to find out myself because it will not end well. Sure. I'm, I'm probably just antisocial. I think that's just where that's <laughs> coming from. I don't know. I like, I, I understand that whole culture of, uh, um, you know, like paying people to, to like, even like hunting, like people do that where they'll, they'll pay somebody to like take them somewhere so they can shoot something in the fucking face. Not that I'm, I'm for that, but like, that's, that's a whole industry thing. So I totally understand that idea of hiring a I random think- dude with a boat. They go yeah. about that in a in a this very similar way in the in Rogue, but it's like uh-huh. see that I would be more. It's more so of an attraction in Rogue. This yeah, one be more so inclined to get on that boat, like the big boat with a bunch of other people, rather. Yeah, than yeah it has handrails. Yeah, yeah, but that's also what makes this one like scarier in some ways. Uh-huh. Uh, Once it gets into things and they're stuck up in the tree. Um, it was a movie that grew on me after a while. Like I think in the beginning, I was kind of feeling the pace of it the deliberate pace um i really did not like the the guy the either the actor or the character i found him particularly grading um in in the way that i thought his plan was terrible and that he immediately (laughs) wants to get back into the water and go back to the boat and he's so snotty to the two girls who were like, I think that's a bad idea. I don't yeah. think we should do that. He's just like, oh, you're, you idiots. Yeah. Um, I think actually the movie grew on me more after he dies. And yes. I know that sounds mean, but. It's also an epic death. Like that's, that's what is. I love so much. That's what I love so much about this one. Uh, opposed to abyss like the the sequel is that i i really love the the less is more approach for something like this and only showing you know like just certain parts of the crocodile and like you said like they do like close-ups and stuff like that to to toy with and make it look really realistic and i think for the most part it succeeds in all that well i mean it it uses the less is more for a really good reason in that Mm -hmm. i think of the three of these movies i think this is the only one that doesn't have a cgi crocodile yeah, this think, is a hundred percent just yeah. an actual crocodile. Yeah. yeah, it's real. So they so that less is more wasn't like kind of just a suspense strategy. There's yeah, yeah they had to do it. That. Yeah. I also like the idea of when the the croc hops in the boat after that girl that they literally had to toss that thing after her because <laughs> you kind of just see it fly into the boat. Yeah. That it looks, looks great though. Like it the does. Croc that's looks super good in this thing. 
that's also a marvel like i i can't help but think back to when we shout out to adam mcdonald way back when we talked to him about backcountry but talking about using actual bears and that whole process of trying to film horror with that so i can imagine the process of trying to film something that can randomly just decide to like camouflage itself underwater it, yeah uh, just the idea like how much had to go through with this to be made is a marvel in itself yep no it, it's it's really inventive uh and that yeah it, it's yeah sorry i don't even know where i was getting at there just had no, a major uh, brain fart that's okay daniel do you have more i well just that you know like like we're all saying that like i think the most impressive thing about the movie is the editing in that mm-hmm. I know for the most part, these actors are not sharing a space with a crocodile, but they've edited the shots together so well that it feels like they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that was just really, really nice because, you know, you can only watch CGI monsters for so long before you want to see something that's more tangible. And I understand that a practical crocodile is not very feasible. I mean, they did it in Alligator in 1980, but that in fact has a real charm to it, but um, it yeah. probably wouldn't work for a movie like this. So they did that really, really well. Um, and I think like it, it's a movie that builds well, because while I was not feeling it towards the beginning more so, um, I thought the intensity built pretty well. And, and, and Mitch, I think you make a really good point about the kind of lack of rewatchability factor because I haven't seen The Reef, but the movie that this made me think of was The Shallows in that it's about yeah. a person or in this case, three people just kind of standing somewhere, not able to move because there's a killer animal in the water. And The Shallows is a movie I loved, loved in the theaters. And I've never rewatched it. And I don't know if I ever will just because it has, it's that one suspense experience that's so great. And then, and then you kind of leave it there. But I don't know if Crawl is going to be that way because Crawl has a lot of sequences I want to rewatch. I've seen Crawl five times. Crawl does a lot more (laughs) things and goes a lot of different places. It does, yeah. Yeah to its credit crawl, yeah crawl is amazing um yeah no it, it's just i to me this one was just a big surprise and i think it might be a diamond in the rough for people who are into this kind of stuff and if you haven't seen blackwater i think it's definitely one that you should be checking out if you're interested in these types of films at all yeah. uh Bo- boozy what are what are your your thoughts on blackwater so first i want to give credit to Blackwater for passing something called the the girlfriend test we've used over the years uh, in podcasting, oh, and no. and <laughs> and it's whether uh, your girlfriend has anything to say about the film that you're watching while you're watching it. Um, and my girlfriend very much enjoyed this film and was very invested to the point of like edge of her seat as people continuously got into the water to try and do things yeah. with the boat and. I honestly, I've seen this film before, and I honestly was also invested. Uh, obviously, yeah, like you guys have, have both mentioned, it it does a lot of things on a smaller scale uh, compared to the things we've watched, but even to itself, it's just a, a boat. It's basically about people getting knocked out of a boat and having to climb into a tree. That's mm-hmm. 90% of the, and, and I think there's a great scene uh, implication of death, which you find out about later with the boat being rocked upside down. They do kind of a similar shot uh, or idea in Blackwater Abyss from what I remember. So I'm going to check that out again to uh, come back on that. But overall, I think Blackwater is a ton of fun because it it seems very, it's the most natural of all of them. I feel like everything they do in this film is more of a survivalist take. If you 
kind of want to look at it compared to the other films this this uh film feels like just a movie of i shouldn't be alive if you guys have ever seen that tv show where it's just like extreme scenarios people have been put through and that they yeah. should, shouldn't have made it this is just like a full telling of this as a film yeah. and and i i kind of love that idea of it it's the most raw of the three just in definition because of that yeah i like those and raw is a very good way to put it mm-hmm. um and like i i love those types of stories and the one other thing I'll give it big credit for is a very cool scene that you don't see anything, but it's how they deal with it. It's uh, when they have to sleep or they're stuck in the tree overnight and they have to listen to the one guy being chewed on, like the body being torn apart. Yeah, Love it's it. something small like that where they, they literally barely show you anything because Was... they'll, they'll hit you with a flash of light. But then you're, it's what you're hearing and it's how they're reacting to it. Okay, Which, so open water does predate this because I was gonna say like that's something that's the number one thing I remember from open water to uh, open water to the original, not to adrift. Um, but like let's not talk like, about it. I kind of get su- sucked down below the water overnight and the crashes yeah. of lightning. It's really effective, and yeah, it's very much like if you like open water and you haven't seen black water, like it's very similar. I would say that black water is, I I find it even more intense than open water, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. I have a I have a girlfriend test point as well, <laughs> except in my case it's a wife test. Um, so the majority Ooh, of the time, look at him. I'm oh, married. I'm so sorry. You're married. <laughs> Just... <laughs> married right out of college. Someone loves me. <laughs> <laughs> so the vast majority of the time, when I'm watching a movie, my wife is on the couch, either watching it with me or reading a book. And uh, in this case, but she's, she's peripherally listening, though, right? Yeah, in this is that case, like she's... she'll she'll be like what did that character say (laughs) well not not always but in this case so she discovered from just sitting next to me reading a book that she is terrified of crocodile movies and she doesn't want me to watch them around her which is funny because she's normally impossible to scare with horror movies i'll show her horror movies specifically just to scare her and it never works um but yeah she doesn't want me to watch crocodile movies around her because it freaks her out too much which i thought was kind of cool i thought that was an endorsement of these movies what about gator or crocs specifically or is she just like overall like i don't like they're real even though like so many like (laughs) they're too real for her well no that's how i am too like i can watch i can watch supernatural shit till my eyes bleed and it won't bother me at all but like that and i know we've talked about this movie so much on the podcast but a part of this conversation is backcountry really fucking bothered me uh when i saw it and it's because that that like it can happen and like but the thing is though like these movies not blackwater but the other ones we're going to talk about they're so much more outlandish than like you know like lot lots of times these things wouldn't even do these things the shark in in jaws like bruce wouldn't fucking do what he does he travels to the fucking bahamas and the fourth one or whatever wherever they go um like the the fact that the shark has a vengeance on brody's whole family is fucking this time crazy. it's personal exactly <laughs> but it's like but there's something about it that's just so much more realistic and i think blackwater is yeah but by, by far takes the the realism uh award out of the three of these i also oh, like yeah, that the absolutely. the croc is vengeful just for like the simple fact that it's in there that they're in its territory yeah, it's it doesn't not have just a like, complicated backstory like you yeah. ran it over with a boat and has no, the scars like, to prove it. We'll get to primeval, but like that thing was just hungry. <laughs> that <laughs> thing, like the it it didn't its appetite did not end. Um, but yeah, no, that's great. I'm happy that we could help uh, Steph find her uh, 
a new uh, fear. A true fear. I yeah. really want to show her crawl now. I really yep. want to make that happen somehow. You should. So is she okay with try. sharks? Shark movies, um, but. I think the only shark movie we have, we've ever watched together was Jaws, and she just didn't like that movie because it's too many men and not enough women. So I don't know. Guess the jury's out on shark movies. Man, I really am a piece of shit with Jaws and the Thing being <laughs> two of my favorite movies. I mean, I introduced like I, I introduced it to her as like this is one of my favorite movies of all time, and she was yeah. not about it, and I was like shocked. It was the first time I ever found out that a human being could not like Jaws. Yeah, know? yeah. No, that that makes sense. Uh, she could probably read the book then, because there's more of a Brody's wife subplot where they completely cut out in uh, in the film. Okay, but she's the biggest reader I know, so I might be able to push her into reading it. I'd be curious to hear what she thinks of it, because yeah, a lot of people, like a lot of Jaws purists, hate that book. And uh, oh, that's a quote. That's a discussion for a whole other day. I like both of them, but uh, well, I love one of them. Um, all right, do you guys want to talk about Primeval? No, but let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think, oh man, I'm curious. Uh... In one of the most remote locations on Earth lives the world's most prolific serial killer. He has claimed over 300 victims. He is elusive, intelligent, cunning. And to this day, he remains at large. Looks to be another mass grave. He is real, but he is not human. <laughs> Primeval, inspired by a true story. So Primeval is, it was directed by the second AD on La Bamba and Predator. Oh, La Bamba is like one of my dad's favorite movies of all time. Yep. This guy has a strange filmography. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, directed by Michael Kettleman, who, like I said, yeah, and he directed uh, and executive produced that new Cowboy Bebop show that the world freaked out about. I know uh, nothing yeah. about Cowboy Bebop, so I can't even weigh in on that. Was everyone um, freaking out because it got whitewashed, I'm assuming? No, it didn't actually. No, because yeah, oh, that seems John to be Cho? like what just because mad about. according to my giant anime loving friend, uh, it's pretty cheap and corny. Mm. Speaking of kind of cheap and corny, um, Primeval. This is a movie that was like a big deal for me in 2007. This was the one that like it was coming to the theater. Uh, the last time I'd seen a crocodile in a theater, alligator, or crocodile, whatever, uh, was Lake Placid, which I love. I absolutely love that movie. Rest in peace, Betty White. Um, man, the opening of Primeval is edited like a Tony Scott film. I don't know if you noticed that, Daniel, because I know both of us have watched quite a bit of Tony Scott over the last year. Uh, but it's just, just fucking unleashed. The, like this movie is just fucking bonkers, and uh, it's it's wild. I I think the the credits like they go. They're straight out of the David Fincher handbook. Like, I don't know if you, you guys Girl with the dragon yeah. tattoo. Well, mm -hmm. that yeah. and even like fucking seven. Like the, that was stuff that was just uh, like the whole opening opening credits of seven was like groundbreaking at the time. And then so many people tried copying it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, God. Uh, Primeval. Boozy, do you want to tell us the story of Primeval? Like, what, what, what what's the, yes. the background on this film? Okay, so primeval has the most this movie had the most 
backstory to it going into the 2007 year of crocs because this one is actually based off of a specific crocodile which, which they is dub as a serial killer gustav yes. the serial killer they call uh, the crocodile a serial killer in the movie so yeah there's this big ass fucking he actually exists this big ass fucking crocodile called uh fucking gustav and however much of this is actually true is all lore like him being like a serial killer like killing 100 people or whatever but it's just a croc who benefited off of a civil war to eat bodies that are in the water and just got really fat for it there's actually a, a documentary which uh, this movie takes a bunch of the ideas of it to make this film. Uh, the documentary is called oh, Capturing the Killer Croc. I actually watched it this year and it's pretty interesting. Like I a bet lot that's of this better. Yeah, yes. I bet that's better. Uh, which they actually, the cool part is they actually do have some actual footage of Gustav in that. So it's not like he is just a word of mouth legend. They actually do show that he exists. And nice. uh, the stuff with the, uh, the cage in Primeval with the goat and everything is actually based off of something that did happen in capturing the killer croc. Debatably the best part of the movie. <laughs> like uh, the, basically the whole idea of yeah, like the goat and everything and the pheromones and even down to like the uh, the goat disappeared they don't know if it escaped or whatever but the camera also the feed got broken so they don't know so that was kind of a whole part of it they kind of ripped that idea for this movie is the documentary um, also led by dominic purcell it is not uh what is missed that? opportunity yeah oh. blade blade <laughs> trinity baby he's the Isn't bad he guy dracula in that yep he's dracula in blade trinity he's oh, in prison break um oh that's he right he has prison the break. biggest melon head ever <laughs> we were ta- we were talking about with sean i for the last episode we were, i kind of mentioned like weird 2000 male leads that were supposed to be attractive but aren't and i feel like this dude was one of those oh, dudes they shoveled again. in and then the Ooh, other one is in rogue sam worthington <laughs> yep yeah but he's actually <laughs> like a, a attractive dude though okay well up for debate like the both of those both of those when he's in the navi body he's attractive right exactly um (laughs) anyway this this film had a cool idea for lore based on a super cool monster they could have built up around and uh, honestly if they could have also went in a direction of having kind of a political thing to say because this film had a lot of stakes in terms of i think they tried tried. yeah they tried really hard just listen to where i'm going before you get all upset yeah so they had (laughs) all these things that they could work with and they just kind of made a weird jelly coded action movie that just happens to have a crocodile in it which is really unfortunate i i remember thinking i liked this movie like years ago it's not even the effects aren't that great and whoever decided that that one scene of the croc darkly lit eating a guy was going to be one of the cover arts for it when it's like a mash of dark and cgi mush Mm-hmm. it's i don't know it doesn't it's, look good like the the cgi it doesn't, it doesn't no it doesn't I, make sense a uh, little gusta it, it feels like all of the stuff that they have with like the civil war that they could have made some sort of statement for is played off for laughs like uh, they, they just joke about like the one kid who really wants to come to america the whole time like oh yeah, man. of course he fucking does like, like that was a that that was a next level and i know i'm not the demographic to comment on this but i think it's bad enough when like someone like me who can notice how how rough it is that this was written by a white guy 
because mm-hmm. uh, like some of the lines in this are just fucking terrible and uh like how some there there's the one line about how he's happy that uh slavery was real because that's how he got to america yeah because he they got on the mayflower jones yeah. say that and like my yeah. jaw hit the floor <laughs> oh man yeah it's brutal and they another line that they, they the movie does actually it follows beat for beat jaws for the first like half an hour of the movie just in different uh different settings and everything but like with the same they're going for the same story beats and everything and like how they're and and also same with kind of like anaconda where they're going Uh out on the expedition and do this like it's the hunt for the mega beast it's it's like creature from the black lagoon even yeah yeah and uh orlando jones is so like he's awesome and it's so rough watching him in this movie Mm because he's given dog shit to work with like it's the writing that's really bad and i know that i know that you shouldn't be watching movies like primeval for the writing but when they try so hard to make that political statement uh it's just it's rough and it, it hurts and it's it's exhausting to watch and just the frantic energy of the editing it's 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 an exhausting movie to watch yeah and it it wants i don't really know what i'm supposed to be following at any point it wants to be an action movie so badly but its only sense of action is either you're shooting at a crocodile or it's just uh like militia killing other people like like villagers because you can't really have much of your cast like some of them do eventually get shot but you can't have your cast get wiped out so they just take a lot of pleasure and shoot i did not need to see the shaman and his wife get shot in the head it it was like it was a lot like we get it they're they're getting killed they go really oh no he gets his head cut off she gets gets shot yeah but they show so much of it and it's not for any sort of impact politically it's just to be like oh cool blood and guts yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, it, it's uh, it's painful. This kind of does seem like uh, like a machismo predator wannabe that just sucks. Like even where they're like things will explode and then they'll all like laugh like they're in a buddy cop movie. It's just very infuriating. Oh yeah, and even Orlando Jones, like the the, the trope that obviously it's what movies are, and the lots of these movies are guilty of this. Especially one of one of our favorites, Boozy Deep Blue Sea, does this a yep. lot. But the thing is, Deep Blue Sea has its tongue firmly planted in its cheek the whole time, and it knows exactly what it's doing. This one feels like it's trying to be serious, like it it has to be trying to be serious with mm-hmm. the subject matter they're covering. But um, in the way, like what I was talking about with Jaws, is how jaws gave us that iconic quote you're gonna need a bigger boat but primeval gave us the quote you brought a regular condom we need a magnum (laughs) (laughs) that's a line that someone okayed (laughs) got orlando orlando jones has to say all of the worst shit in this Uh, my other my other favorite line in this and it's it also just shows how egregiously sexist the movie is towards the one female oh, yeah. character but the the female reporter says something about the journalism or blah 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 and dominic purcell looks at her and he says where'd you learn that modeling school oh man <laughs> yeah i wrote which is funny because he looks exactly as much like a model as she does and like yes. where'd you learn that posing school? more than she is <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I forgot. I oh yeah, I knew that was gonna come up. Fuck, what? Oh, it's just dog shit. And the only thing they care about from her is, are you sleeping with our boss? Yeah. They, oh, I oh, know. And yeah. then the commentary about homophobia. As soon as they find out their boss is gay, they have like the best time in the world roasting him. 
yeah no it's it's wild and but yeah sorry my brain i'm going everywhere i can't even keep track of all of the ways this movie is offensive like it's just oh yeah i think just the most frustrating part i will i have to reiterate is that they had gustav they could have done so much with this cool he's such a side character in this that just they, like goes away basically just so much money went him. to the wrong areas so much money went to the wrong but, but i think that everything about this is yeah. pretty much a failure and, like it's, it's and good. like with with films like this i know like you'd mentioned anaconda because that fits in all these like monster attack films yeah and masterpiece I, exactly and and i mentioned a, lot, <laughs> a exactly. lot of these attack movies it's frustrating when you have um a, a human become a villain for a while too because it takes away of like the, the whole grandness of this whole thing is that there's this giant gustav or whatever but it just kind of goes into more of them fighting little gustav and dealing with all that which takes away from it like anacondas did it the right way they had a crazy guy running around yelling anacondas are you talking about the original or the the sequel hunt for the blood anaconda i'm talking about the first one with having an actual villain who besides your your giant monster character this movie did a horrible job of it little gustav sucks he dies super fast there's really no point to any of it no i'm team gustav personally like that's what 100 percent. also yeah. just quick facts for everybody i do have more um last time gustav may be dead last time anyone saw him was 2019 but he still could be alive because uh crocs live a very long time someone saw him in 2019 where that yeah. boy been uh Jeez. eating corpses i guess <laughs> how do you how do you lose track of a giant crocodile like that it's like there he is right <laughs> over there yeah Okay, let's let's round us off here. Let's talk about Rogue. So Rogue was a... <laughs> I barely talked about Prime Evil. Oh, sorry. Do you have oh more? do you have more? I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> that's okay. over that one. No, let's I just hear it. like I just didn't really say like what I thought of it or anything. Yeah, please. Like, um I hated it. It's a terrible movie. Um it was so it's such a like shockingly unsatisfying movie in that like these in so many ways these movies need to like go in one of two directions like they need to be this small intense exercise intention like blackwater is or something like that or they should be big and fun like lake placid anaconda deep blue sea all these movies um but they're making a movie that's like intentionally not going to be any fun for anybody because they're making this movie that seems like it's supposed to be serious and they're they're using a real life military conflict that is a very serious thing. They're and using I, a whole genocide. As I a wrote joke. in my notes they're practically dropping the characters from Sahara into this. You know, mm-hmm. Sahara with like Matthew McConaughey yes, and Matthew Steve Zahn. That's like yeah. that's like what these people that. are. You've got yeah. you've got this doofy tough guy who has no personality and sucks. You've got his goofy sidekick. You've got the hot girl whose only point in the movie is to um, skip around and giggle and get her shirt ripped off at one point. Yep. It always sucks when a movie gets its one moment of sex appeal from assault. And that's, Oh my God. Yeah. That really stood out in this one too. Yeah. They can't, they cannot pick a lane with this movie. So it just ends up being a, a miserable experience. And I was just like dying for it to end. And when it, it felt like it was going to end. And then you get a twist with like who the real warlord is. I'm like, no. And then he forces them to go on some other quest. I'm like, I just need this movie to be over. I don't need a new villain introduced at this point. 
No. Can I also ask, uh, since you did kind of mention about the assault thing, I don't want to talk directly about that, but about the fact that the guy who tries to assault her gets killed by Gustav in a way that I don't really understand how it worked. It was kind of like the T-Rex getting into the building in Jurassic Park where all of a sudden he was just there, but like stabbing the guy in the back. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because the guy's like, it's, a, then, it's really over the top. Like that's like the kill sequence of the movie. Yeah, but it's 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 played as uh, a slasher thing. It's it's the classic slasher, like oh, I just got stabbed and you don't know what stabbed me. But it's like it's how the fuck did a crocodile do that? A giant twenty yeah. fucking foot crocodile or whatever. Yeah, he just breaks into a little camper. Uh, yeah, no, it is. It's a mess. And she makes it out unscathed as well for some like. Gustav is largely ineffective. He's in the back of a fucking vehicle and can't kill anybody. Yeah, both her and tough guy get out unscathed and then they're like holding hands on the plane at the end. And I'm like, when did this happen? Yeah. No, I, yeah, are I, they I trauma bonding? Yeah, I well, guess. no, it's just so fucking frustrating. That and that's just a trope that was really prevalent around this time and you know, the de- even the decade before it, where they have no chemistry whatsoever the entire movie. And it's like all of a sudden they're that wait, wait, or she was a love interest, but all he was doing was making fun of her the whole time. <laughs> like yeah, and grilling about her, her boss. Like this male screenwriter is like, that's what women want. They want yeah. you to make fun of them. I that's know hot. chicks. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, I know chicks. Um, well, it looks like I'm the only dude left. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Does anybody else have anything left to say about Primeval? I think no, this will I just, be my last viewing of Primeval. I think ever. so too, man. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Rogue. Man has a basic need to explore. We're on bush time now, so should have you back around five or six. Hi, Captain. But at the edge of the world. How big is this boat? You'll be right, as long as you don't go in the water. <laughs> in the heart of paradise. You might want to take your seat. It gets a bit hairy around this bend. A line is about to be crossed. This is sacred land. Not really supposed to go through here. Horizon, but you've got no choice. We go now with a chance, or later, or you figure it out. Something ancient. Can you see anything? Good work. Something evil. She's not <laughs> For Christ's sake, move! <laughs> has remained undisturbed. Until now. Now! Now, come on! Directed by Greg McLean, 
who is the man behind the Wolf Creek series. He directed the Belko Experiment. I directed. I forgot about real, that. That's film. right. Yeah, a really underrated film that I actually thought was pretty solid was Jungle, uh, starring Daniel Radcliffe. That was that was a pretty solid movie. I that thought that one's but... not like a horror though, right? No, that's just when him he was just chilling in the jungle. Yeah, it's a survival oh, tale. But... And he made that Kevin Bacon haunted house movie, The Darkness, that I heard was bad. Interesting. Yes. That's such an outlier in, in this filmography. Yeah, no kidding. Because yeah, okay, so he followed up Wolf Creek with Rogue. Um, and once again, like these movies, it's just pretty tough to come up with a good poster art for them, it seems. But I remember seeing the poster art for Rogue being like, this is obviously like, I'm, of course, I'm going to watch it, but this is going to be bad. Um, and yeah, I watched it and I fucking love this movie. I feel like this is everything that Primeval isn't. And also it does a lot of things that Blackwater, they do have a lot of things in common specifically uh i no i'm sorry i'm I'm blowing my load here i want to get a round the table thoughts about rogue before i start talking okay Uh, so if i can just decipher what you're saying maybe distill it for a second this is a more movie-ish cinematic version of blackwater because they do do very similar things it is much more movie-ish yes I know what you mean. <laughs> it's a more cinematic, typical yeah. cinematic version. I like movie-ish. Of... I prefer yeah. that one. I'm going to say yeah. using that. No, it is. It's, it, the thing is, it's this is Blackwater with a budget, like a bigger budget, it seems. It has some star power behind it. We have uh, the, Mr. No Name from uh, Never Been Kissed, uh, Michael Vartan, who's the obviously the love interest. We have Sam Worthington. This was before the the success of avatar and everything uh rada mitchell who's always great um who was oh yeah the uh, serial killer dude serial killer dude yeah the one of the guys oh, john the guy jarrett from Cry wolf yeah uh, no he's from wolf creek or wolf john, creek, yeah john jarrett he yeah he played uh the character russell but mia wasikowska is in this fucking movie as a teenager which is just nuts um but yeah the the movie like this the the thing that this movie does so well in my opinion is that it like does a really good job of populating the film with characters that you care about in different ways uh and by doing that like the the whole exposition on the exposition of them going them going out uh, the expedition going out and uh having the the tour guide explain different facts about crocodiles it doesn't feel like it's beating you over the head and it actually just She's touching on little things that make you realize how fucking horrifying these creatures are and what they're capable of. You feel like you're part of the boat ride as opposed to being just told facts. I don't know if that that's kind of how I felt like. Yeah, it's just it's good storytelling. They, mm-hmm. they, yeah, she details how magnificent and beautiful and mischievous these things are and how intelligent they are and how terrifying they can be. And uh you there's like the one moment before things really start picking up is like you you see one of the crocodiles in the water and it just within a second just like and it's a real shot of an actual crocodile just disappears underwater really quickly and I, it just gives me chills and uh yeah i think this movie like the, the, it opens up with the same scene as the lion king so that's that's something that i'll also give it props for with the opening of the <laughs> it has a very similar opening to the lion king and then that's you definitely watch, what i thought watching this of course. yeah then you, you watch an expertly executed crocodile attack on a water buffalo and it's just it's brutal it's startling and it's vicious and uh 
Yeah, way yeah. better, way better to do that with a water buffalo because Primeval does that with like a toddler. And I'm like, I don't need this little throwaway kill here. Wasn't oh, it like, yeah, it was a toddler and then also like a woman from the UN? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, I have one big complaint about this movie, but we'll leave that for, uh, let's go around the table. Daniel, let's hear your thoughts on Rogue. Yeah, I was really excited to watch this because this was a movie I've actually meant to see for a long time because I've I've heard it's really good and um, it is. I I love this movie just unabashedly. It was the first movie I watched leading up to this, which I think was the right way to go because it got me all pumped up to watch more croc movies, and um, it's it's a blast. But also, I love how it accomplishes being a fun horror ride, but it takes everything really really seriously. Like as in, as in contrast, um, just as coincidence, like soon before watching this, I randomly rewatched Adam Green's Hatchet, which is a movie I really enjoy. And it's funny how that movie and this movie have a very similar setup. It's a bunch of people like get on a tour boat and go yeah, down the swap. river. Yeah, yeah, you're actually right. <laughs> and while while I really enjoy Hatchet, um, it does treat everything as a joke. Uh, and Rogue doesn't. Rogue is like deadpan serious about all of it, and it makes it all feel just really brutal and intense, and you want some crocodile kills, like you know you do in your heart, but you also don't really want any of these people to die, and it feels horrifying. And I really like when an animal attacks movie has horror coming from the animal that's attacking, but also has something else. And in Crawl, it's the hurricane. Like that's a dangerous movie if yeah. there are no crocodiles. Um, in the shallow, well, the shallows isn't quite applicable because she could swim away. But in, in this one, it's the tide and that they can't just stand here because yeah. they're going to get swallowed up by the ocean eventually or the river or whatever it is eventually. And, um, and that's just such a great, great thing to have like this tension coming from two different places at the same time. Really, really cool. Totally boozy. Yeah. And just kind of to, um, add on with what you're saying it is kind of uh, to have that as that extra foil but also the idea that the the crocs foil is working tandem with that because you're going like the water is rising which is a danger in itself but also this thing is in there and everything they're trying to do it's slightly fucking with them because even so you have quick. Uh, yeah exactly you have because some of your characters get killed off screen you have one of the the duke boys or whatever the fuck they are when they show up he's just he's just gone mm -hmm. and that kind of i kind of like that they they have something in there to to be like okay these things are just it's gonna get you and you're not even gonna have time to really do anything about it i like every time let's let's talk a little bit about with this film the gator itself being this more Jaws-like villain. I, I I think this one portrays it the best, which you'd think that fucking Gustav should be the one that portrays it. But yeah, besides, I, I guess what I'm coming down to is out of, yeah, this, this fucking film, aside from just being like a solid croc film, overall, it's just a solid horror movie. It has just a ton of great ideas put out like it like like you'd said is it doesn't do anything huge like the the whole purpose of half the film is just trying to get from a little island to a riverbank and it's all the tedious things within there that work so well the characters are in their own way slightly likable they're not terrible despicable people yeah, there's only even just like the the photographer who's clearly a douche and you're like want him to want him to <laughs> yeah but but like it's none like of them are just outright dick evil. From his yeah yeah 
the man, the legend, the the but classic even, yeah. douche. Yeah. The even having like the 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 father with his like moment of regret, and then all of a sudden you have the gator come out and throw him into the water and oh god yeah it's just kind of how it slowly just takes him there's it's not like a well i mean it is a violent death but it's so slow where he just just drags him down under yeah yeah no that that's like for for me the worst kill in the movie like for well second worst um for painful like that's painful to watch Mm -hmm. but yeah that's uh and that's one of the one of the parts i love that roger mitchell talks about is how they study their prey like they'll mm-hmm. just and that makes sense why they will just like you know peek their little flat heads out of the water and just watch and be all cute yeah and be all cute watching you like studying your tracks and like that's why they'll go back mm-hmm. and kill like cows and stuff and like things that go closer to water because they know when they're gonna when their clock is on where they're gonna go and need to feed themselves and what and drink water and whatnot i i love all that stuff um it's also funny that this is the first time i ever saw sam worthington and the movie opens up with uh sam worthington's ass like you see just his butt as he's going down the the river. He was in like a couple of Australian horror movies before he got big with Avatar. Cause yeah, I remember him mm-hmm. from stuff like this too. He's good in this. Like he, I don't know. I think he's he, definitely he's, good in this. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's good. And uh, I think the whole cast is actually really solid in this movie. And like, that's one of the, it just has all the, the right devices to make it just a fun ride. Like this is yeah. just a fun movie to watch in the same way that, you know, like, it it seems lazy to compare it to crawl but that's what makes crawl so enjoyable is that's like one obstacle after another and it's just like god damn she cannot catch a break yeah and that movie does it even better than this but with this one like there's all the yeah it's just the little intricates intricacies for them to get out and like you said boozy the 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 croc or the yeah the crocodile in his lair it's just you know it's pure movie magic like what we felt in 1998 when we were watching godzilla i appreciate that the crocodile in this film is not supernatural in terms of what it can do or over the top it does pretty much what a regular crocodile would do it does not hang out in the back of a honda civic and spin around it's like I think the movie has that really good night of the living dead factor where the conflict between the characters is really good so mm-hmm. again like the movie just has so much going for it it's got a crocodile it's got a tide it's got good conflict between these people and, and good dialogue between them um, so all that's great I also agree about the cast like Rada Mitchell's one of those actors that you're usually probably not going to watch a movie just because she's in it but every time she pops up in a movie she's always great um And I love how the movie builds the kills in that, like the first kill, we don't even see the guy get eaten. Like it just shows Mm -hmm. how quick this croc is that like suddenly he's just gone. And, um, and he's the husband of Mary Ellen and and he's the, and that's the reason that she gets so freaked out through the movie. And she drove me crazy when she's trying to crawl across the rope and then she doesn't go any further. Oh, you I was need so that bad at her character, that moment. Though. I know yeah. you do. She's the the Barbara, you know, from Night of Living yeah, Dead. Totally. You're totally right about like Rhoda Mitchell's great. Like every time I've seen her, she's done like she's always tremendous. But uh I always forget what I know her from. And it's yeah, the the crazies and Silent Hill. Like so and Pitch those Black. Are... That's the first one for me. Oh right. Yeah. It's been so long since I've seen Pitch Black. I want to revisit that one. I, I love remember it being movie. really good, but it's been a few years yeah. for me too. Oh, and Man on Fire. Yeah, and Phone Booth. God damn. And the crazy. I remember remake, liking really Phone good. Booth. Phone Booth is awesome. Just I'm, watch yeah. Phone Booth. 
I like those kinds of movies. You want to just uh, like turn off the podcast? Yeah, let's turn yeah, it movies? off and watch Phone Booth. Um, I, I just want to say with with this little little series, and thank you, Daniel, for coming on. Is oh sure. I think I think people should. I'm sure Daniel could back me up. Maybe not as somebody who's new to the the animal attack croc subgenre here is there is a little bit of something to offer here even if you're not into straight up just animal attack films in terms of storytelling like there are people who don't like those kind of movies but will watch something like jaws and it's like hey why don't you just check out rogue why don't you check out blackwater there is some good stuff in that i think rogue is def- rogue's like the easiest bet to uh to mm-hmm. recommend to people it's like man if you like jaws yeah like i think you'll find something enjoyable in in something like rogue heck yeah i i would say it's my second favorite croc movie now behind uh crawl i think mine is still i think crawl is the winner and then lake placid is slightly behind it than rogue for it's me. got that nostalgia but, factor for sure yeah it totally does yeah. but it's, it's just so it's so funny and charming. it's so fun yeah, yeah. once again daniel thanks so much for coming yeah, on yeah thank just, you absolute treat to have you here do you have something that you can plug i know you're taking a little bit of a break right now but you got some stuff planned yeah um so my podcast is the cobwebs podcast you can find out any streaming app um all through the month of march i did a whole series on steve mcqueen movies um i don't really know how much crossover there is between croc movie fans and steve mcqueen fans but if you're that person uh, you can check those out um but yeah um, that series was really fun but it was also a lot of work so I've, i'm kind of on a little bit of a break right now but the next episode i'm doing is a, another horror episode uh, i've got a, a big hammer horror fan coming on to talk about some more hammer nice so that'll be a good time um and i'm also going to be on the schlock and awe podcast soon as well so definitely check out Lindsay on schlock and awe okay wicked and yeah you will uh hear from us again soon we have a special episode coming up with uh, an interview that we will i think we'll just kind of share it once we have it done um, yeah let's let's start uh let's not talk about it right now <laughs> yeah so we'll share that interview when it comes out but it does have something heavily to do with uh nature run amok films specifically alligators and sharks or crocodiles sorry um and then yeah once again we're going to be having Lindsay wilkins on to talk about we're going to do a monster mash series where boozy chose prophecy i chose the beast of Twenty Thousand fathoms and uh, Lindsay chose clive barker's nightbreed so lots of horror homework if that's something that you're wanting to do and get uh yeah so you can join the conversation and keep listening to us be dumbasses talking about horror movies because that's what we do (laughs) awesome all right well I guess we can close up for the night. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Terror Table.